Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. Hello, my friends. It's Matt Morgan. Welcome back to a brand new podcast and a brand new series designed to talk about one incredible thing of the science of finding and keeping love and adult relationships. You guys, if you're married, this is huge. If you're engaged, this is huge. But specifically, if you're dating or single and want to start dating, this is for you. I've had a lot of people say, hey, Matt, you talk a lot about marriage, but what about dating? (laughs) Well, this is for you. This is going to be so powerful for you and understanding how to find the right person for you. And I just got done reading a book called Attached, and it's so great. It's on this very topic of how to find and keep love. And it's written by Dr. Ramir Levine and Rachel Heller. I highly recommend picking it up. But they talk about attachment styles. And essentially, all of us have either a genetic disposition as well as a nurture disposition, both activate one of three attachment systems. Anxious, number one. The avoidant, number two. And the secure, number three. The goal for all of us is to move towards security. But a lot of us, hey, based on our genetics, based on our upbringing, we're either anxious or avoidant. And so those are two polar opposite things that all are birthed out of insecurity. And as a result, have an activation strategy that comes into us in certain situations. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the first one, the anxious attachment style. And this is going to be so profound for a lot of you of understanding, oh my gosh, that's why I do what I do, or that's why my partner does what he or she does. And so we're going to lean into that first. And so as we begin, I want you to understand about this one, the anxious one. And so the anxious attachment style person lives with a sixth sense of danger, almost like a heightened sensitivity and vigilance towards verbal or nonverbal cues of their partner. And so you guys, both anxious and avoidant, they have triggering events that activate their attachment systems. But the anxious person is activated in the system anytime they have a thought or feeling that compel them to get close to their partner, either physically or emotionally. So that's the motivation for the anxious. It's to get close. And so once your partner responds to you in a way that reestablishes security, well, guess what? You can revert back to a calm, normal self. But if they don't, that anxiety grows. And I'm going to show you some examples of that. But first, there are eight symptoms that kind of help show, oh, maybe that's what it means. And that's what it looks like when you're anxious. Number one is this, living life in the what-if realm. You know what I mean? It's that constant anxiety fear of what if they this, what if that, what if that. And you start just on that hamster wheel going towards fear of the future. Number two, one symptom is you maybe have difficulty explaining what's bothering you, but you expect your partner to guess. (laughs) Number three, maybe you have a hard time because you make things about yourself in the relationship. It's like everything is about you, right? So if there's a text message that you send and they don't respond back, oh my gosh, maybe he's upset with me. Maybe she doesn't like me, right? Number four, you're often suspicious that your partner may be unfaithful in the relationship. So let's go back to that texting example. Oh my gosh, he didn't respond to that text. That must mean you're mad at me. Are you even interested in me? Wait, I saw how you looked at your assistant. Are you even interested in her? Are you cheating on me, right? Every time something like that happens, it activates and they tune into their partner's availability. Okay, let me give you an example of that. There's a woman named Emily. She's 27 years old and she had this very thing happen. And so she texts her boyfriend, but her boyfriend didn't call back yet. And it's been a couple of hours now. So all of a sudden she's thinking, oh my gosh, is something wrong? 
activation of anxiety is now present. And what happens now is that she now starts thinking, and it's crazy how we start usually thinking the worst possible thing, not the best possible story, but the worst, right? Oh my gosh, maybe he's angry with me. Is that okay? So what they do is this to try to get close. So she says, I'm going to text him again and I'm going to invite him over for a romantic dinner. Maybe that will help. So she does that but he still doesn't respond. And all of a sudden now she's like, will he ever answer me or call me back? You know, and so there's a responsiveness and an availability that anxious people are looking for in their partner. Now let's say he does respond, okay? It's another hours goes by and he calls from a landline. He's like, oh my gosh, babe, I'm so sorry. My cell phone was dead. Dinner tonight sounds great. Hooray, I'm now calm. So now that anxious attachment style is deactivated and she can go back to calm, normal, secure in her life. But if he doesn't call back, she now goes into what's called the danger zone. And if you're anxious or you're in a relationship with one, you might have experienced this. The person who goes in the danger zone now, it's like, oh my gosh, it's been five hours since he's left the office, since I left the office, maybe he's leaving me. And now you go to the worst possible stories, like maybe he's cheating on me. There's no signs of him. His assistant has been dismissive. Will I ever even hear from him again? And maybe you think if the answer is no, then you could just start lashing out or acting out. Maybe you send a terrible email to the assistant, good riddance, hope you like him. You know, he's trash or whatever. And maybe you don't do that, but maybe you're like, oh my gosh, if you didn't go that direction, you could go a different direction, which is actually thinking you couldn't get any better than him. And so now you start telling yourself stories like, I can't believe this. I mean, if we break up, I'll never find someone else like him again. And so that leads into some other symptoms. Number five is this, you become preoccupied with the relationship. So everything's hyper-focused on the relationship. Number six, you put your partner on his pedestal, right? Like what she just did. She underestimates her talents and overestimates theirs. And number seven, you believe, you know what, even if I'm unhappy, I'm never going to be as happy as I am with him. And I'm sure if I do break up, then he's going to all of a sudden be great for someone else. And I can't do that. And number eight, anxious people fear that small acts will ruin the relationship and they believe they must work hard to keep the interest. And so now here Emily is completely in the danger zone and she's needing some kind of reassurance to deactivate her system, okay? Let me give you another example of Ryan. Ryan's 46. He's dating as well. He's at a conference for the very first time. Him and his girlfriend work together in the same office, but he goes to his very first conference. And at his conference, he's got this heightened cue that, you know what, I text her or I called her rather, and it only rang once and then it went straight to voicemail. So now he's thinking, oh my gosh, activation has now just been set. And she just ignored my call. Why would she do that? I mean, is she annoyed by me? Is she angry with me? And all of a sudden that attachment system is activated. And so now he gets pissed and he's like, fine, forget it. I'm not gonna call you for the rest of the trip. So he gets pissed. An hour later, she calls back. All right, but he doesn't answer out of anger and he lets it go to voicemail. And in her voicemail, she says, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I couldn't answer her. She's like, I really wanted to. My boss was just standing right next to me. So I had to send it to voicemail. So you guys, he was actually right that she sent it to voicemail. But even anxious people, they understand those cues that it rang only this many times and she sent it to voicemail. Other systems like avoidant or secure wouldn't even recognize that. But you are so heightened to those cues. And all of a sudden, when he listens to her voicemail of the reason why she sent it to voicemail, his anxious activation was turned off 
and he can relax. And so this was very new again, because this is his very first trip outside of the office. And he's used to seeing his girlfriend, Shauna, you know, three office doors down from him. And luckily for Ryan, Shauna has a secure attachment style. And so she was able without much effort to effectively respond to him and reestablish contact and calm his attachment system. But unlike Emily, Ryan didn't find himself in the danger zone because anxiety was met with reassurance almost immediately. Okay. So let me give you another example example of Janet who is fearing that small acts will ruin the relationship. This is another really good example, I think, of people with an anxious system. Janet's 23, okay? She just started dating this really great guy. His name's Tim. They've been on a couple of dates now. And she's like, I can already feel myself falling in love, you guys. It's so hard to find someone that I'm going to be compatible with. And, you know, I'm only attracted to a certain type of man. And, you know, I mean, what are the chances that he would find me attractive? And so the odds are against me on this one. So now I've met Tim and I want to make sure I do everything right. Okay. I can't afford to make any mistakes, she says. And one wrong move and I could just jeopardize the entire relationship. And so I'm going to just wait for him to set the pace because I don't want to seem too eager, you know? I mean, so what do I do? It's been a couple of days now. Is it okay for me to text him? I mean, that may seem like a laid back, you know, or organic, spontaneous response. Do you think she maybe ask her girlfriends or maybe, maybe I'll look for some funny way to email him as part of a distribution list. What do you think about that? Okay. So let's talk about what's going on here. Janet is clearly anxious. She seeks closeness. That's the motivation again, behind the anxious type. And so she actually feels incomplete on her own. And so what they do is they become very preoccupied with the relationship. Now, again, granted you guys on the first few dates, everybody's preoccupied with the relationship and everybody's excited. Okay. Okay. That's normal. But with Janet, she takes it a step further. She views the relationship as rare and fragile and believes that any small inappropriate act on her part actually has the capacity to ruin them. And therefore, she turns over in her head every move she makes countless times so as not to make a mistake. And she also chooses to let Tim set the tone of the pace of the relationship. And so do you see all this stuff happening? And lastly, because she's insecure, she plays games by considering ways of indirectly getting in touch with Tim without putting herself on the line. She's talked about making a distribution list as an excuse to send him an email. All right. This is really, really big. You got to understand what's happening here. When your activation of of your anxiety system is triggered, you go into what's called protest behaviors, okay? There's several different protest behaviors and these are ways that you're like, oh my gosh, my partner does this. <laughs> All right, and one of them is excessive attempts to reestablish contact. All right. So calling, texting, emailing over and over and over, waiting for a phone call, loitering by your partner's workplace in hopes of running into him or her. That's one example of protest behavior. Another one is actually keeping score. You know, you're playing games to keep your attention. You know, one thing is like maybe you're acting busy or unapproachable because now you're mad. You ignore their phone calls like we saw Ryan do. You know, maybe you say you have plans when you really don't. Maybe you keep score, you know, in your relationship. And so you pay attention to how many times you called them versus how many times they called you. And so, you know, I mean, all of this kind of stuff is examples of protest behaviors, withdrawing, you know, 
know what, I'm just not even going to talk to you right now. That's a protest behavior. Acting out, that's a protest behavior. Again, your intent is to get close, but your strategy does just the opposite. Maybe you roll your eyes or you look away or you get up and leave the room while they're talking or maybe you don't answer the phone again or the text message that comes back and so they didn't answer you, so why should you answer them? Sometimes maybe another protest behavior is you become downright hostile and you act out and you say things like you threaten to leave. Like, you know what? We're not getting along. I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think this is working. And you say those words not because you don't actually want to break up, because you're trying to get a rise or reaction for them to respond and get close and say, oh my gosh, don't do that. That would be terrible. That's what you want because you're trying to get close. But the strategy usually backfires and it erodes trust and makes a massive withdrawal because that's manipulation. not communication. That's manipulation. And so, you know, all of those kind of things, playing those kind of games, you guys, are examples of protest behavior that send a relationship. Again, the whole goal is to get close, but the strategy usually backfires in a way that's just terrible for the other person. And so now here's the deal. Research has actually shown that people who are anxious and they start dating, they often find themselves dating avoidant people. And this is really interesting. The avoidant person is the one who actually wants autonomy, who wants space, who doesn't want to be cramped. We'll learn more about the avoidant person next week. But let's go back to Emily, the 27-year-old who is dating this guy and he's trying to text him and he's not responding and calling. His name is David, okay? And what's really interesting is that for David, you know, there's this whole indicator for him that he's like, I don't want to be necessarily available. I want to do things on my own time. And his subtle indicators of uncertainty and unavailability make Emily insecure. And this, you guys, is often what happens every time, especially even early in a relationship, if you're anxious and dating an avoidant person. And quite soon into the relationship, you actually start getting mixed signals, all right? And he or she calls, but then they take their time and he's interested in you, but he lets you understand that he's still playing the field. And so you're left guessing. And every time you get mixed messages, your attachment system is activated and you become preoccupied with the relationship. But then he compliments you or he makes a romantic gesture that gets your heart racing and you tell yourself, oh my gosh, he's interested after all. And you're elated. But unfortunately, that bliss is very short-lived. And quickly, that positive message becomes mixed ones again, of ambiguous ones. Again, you find yourself plunging down the roller coaster. And now you live in the suspense, like anticipating the next small remark or gesture that will reassure you. And guys, after living like this for a while, you start to do something fascinating. Get this. You start to equate the anxiety, the preoccupation, the obsession, the ever so short bursts of joy with love. And so what you're really doing is you're equating your activation attachment system with passion and love. And if you do that for a while, you actually become programmed to get attracted to the very individuals who are at least likely to make you happy. You ever wonder why sometimes you like the bad boy and you're attracted to it, but it's not good for you? The bad boy may be avoidant, but you are anxious. And so this becomes a roller coaster situation for people in so many ways. And so research has actually shown that this is why you're attracted to the bad boy. You're attracted to the player. You're attracted to the person who's avoidant and distant and playing games because you actually start to associate that as love 
When it's not, it's your activation of the emotions going back and you're miserable most of the time. But for those few times that you're like elated, it's like a rush for you. Now, here's the problem. Let's say you go on a different date and you actually meet someone who's secure. See, if you're anxious and you're dating a secure person, the reverse of what happens when you meet someone avoidant happens when you meet someone secure. The messages that come across from someone who's secure, they're honest and they're straightforward and they're consistent. And so secure people, they're not afraid of intimacy and they know that they're worthy of love. Avoidant people and anxious people, they don't know that. And that's the biggest difference with a secure person. And so the secure person, they don't have to beat around the bush and play hard to get and be ambiguous in their messages and be out of mix. So their tension and suspense, they don't give that. They just are honest and upfront. And as a result, your attachment system remains calm. And because you're used to equating an activated attachment system with love, you conclude, guys, that this can't be the one because there's no bells going off in your head. And so you associate a calm attachment system with boredom or indifference. Isn't that fascinating? And so because of this fallacy, you might let the perfect partner pass you by because you misassociate love with your attachment system. And all of a sudden, you're going to go through hardship after hardship after hardship. This is huge. You know, it's crazy how in life you can see that it's like, okay, I need to come back and recognize that true love isn't about playing hard to get or playing these games. True love is about someone who can actually draw me close and not play games and be connected. And so this is so big. Now in the dating world, there are some rules that we have, right? Like the three-day rule, like don't talk to the person, don't text for three days. That works really great for some types, like specifically the avoidant type. That rule is terrible for the anxious type. Because think about it. If you're dating someone and then you say, well, I can't respond for three days, but you really want to. Now the avoidant person is going to be like, awesome. I get to have my cake and eat it too. She didn't respond. I can just do my own thing. I can be present when I'm with her or with him. And then that's it. Meanwhile, they're like, okay, you're like, I really want to connect. But oh my gosh, I don't want to come you know, across too eager. But then you're not being true to yourself. And all of a sudden now, as time progresses, that avoidant person is going to start to get to know your real you because the real you is going to come out and then it's going to destroy both of you. They're like, this isn't what I signed up for. This is not who I thought you were. And so if you want to be upfront and you're going to start dating someone, let them know right away like, hey, I don't play games. I don't mess around. You know, I want to connect. And so here's the thing. A couple of next steps. Number one, if you are dating an anxious person or engaged or married to an anxious person, small reassurances, they go a long way. I mean, simply ask them questions like, hey, maybe what's a specific way that I can reassure you? That is an amazing thing to ask a person who's an anxious person, okay? If you are a person who's anxious, rather than playing games like, do you love me? Just say things like, hey, I love you. That's what a secure person does. And so just say, hey, I love you. And then let them respond to you. You know, an anxious person is like, are you okay? Is something wrong? What's going on? And even if they say, no, I'm fine. Everything's cool. You don't believe them. And so we need to have reassurances. If you're an anxious person, you can take steps towards security by recognizing strategies that I've just laid out and then try to reverse them. Like what I just said, do you love me? As opposed to, hey, I love you, right? really great stuff for you to be able to work through this. If you are an anxious person, it'll be really good for you to date other secure 
people. Try to find a secure person because again, your desire is to have closeness and secure people are comfortable with closeness and they don't try to push you away. But avoidant people, they do try to push you away. They're not comfortable with that. They want autonomy. And so you are very sensitive to signs of rejection. And so you're vigilant in that attachment system and secure people are very consistent and reliable and won't send mixed messages that will upset you. And so you won't become distressed and they will reassure you. That's what's so great about secure people. And you know, you find it hard to tell them directly what you need and what's bothering you, right? Effective communication. That's huge. I have an entire online coaching experience to help people have effective communication. Just go to mattmorgan.com, click on online coaching, and you can learn the process of taking effective communication into your own hands and becoming a secure person. And what's really great is when you date a secure person, you start to become more secure, (laughs) Because you're not always activated. And so secure people, they love your well-being and they recognize that you're a top priority and they do their best to read your verbal and nonverbal cues. And so they feel comfortable telling you how they feel. They're good at saying, hey, I love you, but I'm not okay with what you just did. They separate the person from the issue, for example. And so you don't have to take it, quote unquote, personally as an identity thing and secure people are able to do that. And so you need to know exactly where you stand in the relationship and secure people are stable and they're comfortable with commitment in the relationship. And so it's not difficult for them to be able to give you what you need. And that's why dating a secure person is so, so helpful. When you date an avoidant person, again, you may be attracted to them. It's like the yin and yang of tension. But when you want closeness, they want to maintain distance. When you're sensitive, they send mixed signals and often come across as rejecting. When it's hard for you to tell them directly what you need and you're bothered, you know, they're bad at reading those cues and you need to be reinsured. And they actually feel the opposite and create distance and deactivate their own attachment system because your own attachment system that gets triggered triggers theirs. And so when you want to run toward them, they want to run away from you. So when you text them all the time, they're actually thinking, oh my gosh, he or she is smothering me. And so they leave and they intentionally don't call you back. And so this is why dating an avoidant person is probably one of the most toxic things an anxious person can do. And so if you find yourself in this realm, these are some things that you can do specifically to get through it. Next week, we're going to unpack the avoidant person and what you can do to be able to take steps to become more secure in your dating, engaged, or married life. And so cheers from now, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends, and if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.